You're listening to the Fat Dude Digs Flicks Movie Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? This is Andy, the resident fat dude of Fat Dude Digs Flicks, coming to you recorded from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it is time for an all-new episode of Let's Talk About. There's my alarm. Uh, If this is your first time joining us, uh, usually my alarm doesn't go off, but hey, thanks for listening. Let's Talk About is an interview show where I am joined by a guest to talk about their life, their passions, and a movie that has had an impact on them. Today, I am super excited uh, to be joined by Zach, Mr. Eyeliner, one of the hosts of the, let's see, I want to get it right, the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop podcast, uh, where he dives into the world of gory horror movies. Uh, And then we also, uh, he is also an anti-bullying advocate and the, like, brains behind Mr. Eyeliner, a uh, uh, eyeliner designed for everyone, but a way to kind of like, you know, say, hey, dudes, if you want to wear eyeliner, get this. Uh, He made it for you. So uh, had a really good chat with Zach, so it's time to get right into it. So go ahead and grab your popcorn, grab a soft drink, sit back, relax, and let's Taco about the Monster Squad. All right, everyone. I am super excited uh, for today's guest. As I always say, I, I really enjoy when I get an opportunity to have a guest on the show that I don't really know, like other than their online presence. Uh, And then it's like, Oh, well now I get to see, I get to kind of strike up a friendship uh, right in front of your ears. Uh, So that's what we're going to do today. My guest on today's show is Zach, Mr. Eyeliner of the horror supernatural chop shop. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's the same way I feel, man. When I started my podcast, I love to bring on people who I, maybe I just know from the internet presence, but they were good to me. And you of all people, I got to say, I love you, man. Like you've asked me prior to the show about pronouns and stuff. A lot of people where I'm from in New York, that is the common way to talk to human beings nowadays, but other people are still not accepting that. So you are a truly amazing guy oh. and I appreciate you and what you do well hey i am i'm i'm glad to do it i think i don't know i just feel like like that's the way to be and i know that uh south dakota is kind of earning a reputation uh for not being that place uh so i kind of like to be uh uh kind of the i guess uh uh liaison that's like you know what they're they're still they're still good here like don't 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 get it super twisted we still have some good here uh even <laughs> though some some powers that be are trying to make it seem otherwise so uh well- but you know, I'm just I'm just doing things the way that I feel like they should be done. I wanted to say real quick, like before we even start this, like what you just said, dude. I, I want to tell like people who are going to listen to this that know me from New York and other places. I know I've never been there. I've been across a lot of Middle America. I've been across a lot of cities back in my days. Um, but how you said that, yeah, and you kind of like you kind of like now being my buddy like this, my family like this. You could be like the official anti-bullying guy in North Dakota. You know, See? I'll make you that. I'll, I'll give you that that crown, you bro. 
I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the title. <laughs> yeah, man. You deserve that. Awesome. Well, Zach, I think I'm going to start off things the way that I usually start off the show with the same question I ask everybody else, and that's just the the basics. Zach, who are you? Where did you come from? What is your origin story? Wow. Very much like a comic book I'm going to open up right now. Okay. Right? I love that. Yes, I really enjoy that that whole segment. Okay, um, I'm Zach, Mr. Highliner, also known as Zach THS Chop Shop. I'm from Queens, New York. I started growing up with a single mom, a little sister, and my mom owned a hair salon. I pretty grew up in a hair salon, and I knew transvestites. I knew drag queens at like six years old. Yeah. I never knew skin tone. Like I always was like so eat uh, that's me like i grew up in such a great family of people like that not really family but became family and we always live life being yourself never letting anybody tear you down and as my life grew i started singing i was in bands on victory records i blew my voice out at one point i think around 22 on, on a tour i had to go to a hospital very scared and i had to get some stitches in my throat I later then I really couldn't sound like the same again and sing again like that. So what I did for Victor is ghost write songs for bands, which I cannot mention because they got signed (laughs) over to all the big labels. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So after that, I was like, where's my life go? And Victor was going downhill. I was like, I'm, I've been doing hair for years. So I really didn't go to school for hair. I knew how to hairstyle from growing up. And I just kind of focused on doing hair for bands that came into New York that I knew and I'd go to their hotels, do the hair, get paid. Then I really got into makeup. I ran a bunch of makeup stores for big companies. I loved makeup and all that. And I got bullied a lot when I was like a teenager at my band, when we went into a store and got eyeliner. I'm like, what the hell? So I created the brand Mr. Eyeliner. That is a reasoning of anybody, all individuals can wear eyeliner and then I recreated it during pandemic with 12 colors only. And it's all based on names of my loved ones, lost ones, good memories. And it's all supported by the anti-bullying brand. I'm also a anti-bullying activist in New York, but that is now going to connect to my horror love. Growing up, since I was five years old, I would watch horror movies. My mom would allow me to watch horror movies like on HBO and everything. Yeah. I always get, I had all the VHSs rented it from a small video stores, worked at a small video store. So horror was then became me. I became a screenwriter on the side. I was writing pl- screenplays. I loved horror. Um, I became this horror aficionado, like this OG. I, I wanted to know everything about horror. I studied books. I studied everything from 40s, 50s, 60s, video nasties. And uh-huh. I was, I had to know everything. I wanted to prove if I remember in a face off against somebody who thinks they know more about me in horror, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward, I had this dream always to become the next uh, like Bob, you know, like the next like Bill, Bill Briggs. I, I, I want to become the next face of horror, not that competition that was horrible. But like, no, I want to be on shows. I want to host shows introducing really obscure horror films from the 80s and whatnot to people and uh, i actually introduced this concept to a lot of my anti-bullying um youths it's called cinema therapy and mm-hmm. cinema therapy is a very i actually got a degree online for it a few months back and i can use that now for cinema therapies to teach bully kids how their lives are not crap you can get introduced them to something that inspires them so 
how I do that is I try to pick the, I handpick some of the best uh, universal horror films, you know, monster films and Bela Lugosi films, things like that. Lead it to the seventies, lead it into the eighties. I try to pick the things without the, the gratuitous nudity, nudity and whatnot, you know, yeah. and yeah. get them into it, and it helps. And I, I want them to become like the next makeup artist, the next director, their next like you know, prosthetics artist, all that, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's basically me. And then with my podcast, I truly invite the most innovative, creative indie people to always be a part of it. And try to pick the best movies during the best times to do things. I'm not going to be that traditional podcast that's going to even have a sponsor. Like, oh, okay, you ever hear that podcast? And I know you have heard it. Like, oh, they have a pod. They have a sponsor. Like, no, right. we have penis pills. Like, what does that have to do with the show? Dude? Yeah, right. Who's <laughs> making money? Like, we're, we're like putting on we're putting on a designer show. Um, actually, the next episode where it's a designer from upstate New York and she's got under a thousand followers and she's making jewelry and she's a hair designer that wants to quit that field and be a jewelry designer. And I'm like, that's who I want to bring on as sponsors. And, and so you make money. I don't want to make money, you know? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, we're, we're going to cut into this conversation, uh, about the emotional like roots of, of the person I'm speaking with just so that I can present this ad for blue chew right now. It's like, where, where is this stuff coming from? Like, I get the idea of wanting to turn a profit off of this because man, if I could quit my day job and just like, uh, talk to people and do podcasts all day, that'd be the dream. That'd be the dream. I love it. I love it. But I don't necessarily know that I want to do that to like, you know, because I'm selling, uh, the ads that, you know, don't really fit, you know, don't really fit the space. So no, I get that. I get that completely. It's like, you want to, you also want to kind of raise up the people that you're promoting, like the, the people that you have on your show, you want to be able to kind of have them be the ones here, you know, they're bringing in some kind of revenue for you, but you're also, you know, returning the favor to them. So I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Like it's a, it's a partnership. Yeah. It's a collaboration. It's a family. Like I call yeah. it like when I, when I did, when I started Mr. Riley, I was like, I don't I hired makeup artists. I would, you know, my main thing was hiring single moms who were makeup artists. I yeah. had a whole thing, single mom makeup artists. And yeah. that was awesome. I had some of the best makeup artists from Philly, New York, PA. They were great at shows. Amazing. You know, and I would hire them anytime I go to any city I go to. I'd find them on Instagram, contact them, let them know. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to support artists. Promote yourselves. You yeah. know, you're like a one-off. You're, you're, I call them, I call them like my assassins. You're an assassin makeup artist. You're going to pull off a good job, but promote yourself as well. You know? Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about kind of that, that route of starting off uh, in the hair salon. Now, is that where you kind of like, you know, you're there as a kid kind of watching all of this, this work get done. But did you, when you were younger, like, did you start to kind of apply yourself, like how to work on hair, how to work on makeup, how to do, you know, nails and things like that? Was that something that you started kind of learning when you were younger or it was like you just watched and then you you had the interest and then kind of picked up on it later? Oh, great questions, bro. I think I, so I, I literally, I started watching and yeah. I started loving. I wasn't that kid. Uh, I can tell you, like 12 years old, I wasn't that kid that wanted to go to the sports game. I can tell you guys, I'm sorry. I don't like sport. I like hockey. I'm from New York. It's hot. Yeah. I'm like, I used to play hockey. I won't sit there during Super Bowl Sunday. I'd rather like slip my arm off. You know, it's not happening for me. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and Harrison, like my mom, like she's a single mom. She's a great mom. My dad was not a good man. And yeah. she, she's like dad and mom for me. So my mom gets all the credit for who I am now. 
And what I did there is like I paid a lot of attention to her and a lot of the other the stylists there. So one day I'm like asking a friend of hers at the salon, can't remember her name now. Um, and I pick up some shears and she teaches me how to hold the shears and everything else. And I practiced for like a few weeks. My, my summer vacation was me practicing shears and learning hairspray and learning styles, looking at styling books, then reading like, you know, rock and roll magazines and looking at bands. I'm like, Hey, I could be a rock and roll guy. I could be yeah. on I, my, my favorite bands are like all these cock rock bands. I love like danger, danger, guns and roses, like, you know, skid row. I, I could just, I would love to do these kinds of hair for these guys. So I eventually grew into learning and makeup. I actually learned on the fly with another artist that was very older than me and that taught me simple skills and i just kind of picked them up and i can tell you we don't really help me youtube yeah. i did i just watched youtube tutorials like smoking cigarettes at night and writing down notes and practicing on like a dummy like a do we call them like false head and fake hair and so and i would just practice yeah. makeup on that and everything like basically tattoo skin like uh, things are the best ones to get if you're a makeup artist i want to say if you get mm-hmm. the tattoo like with the tattoo artist practice on that's the best stuff to get yeah was it was it more of like uh, you know, and I I don't know I don't know makeup terminology or anything like that because I have I have just no knowledge of any of this at all. But like, was it more of the um, like uh, in, in enhancement makeup, like beauty makeup, or was it more like did you did you kind of venture into like the the screen makeup of like uh, you know prosthetics and and special effects makeup or was it more just trying to help bring out the the best in in people to kind of accentuate their their strengths and help make them look the best that they can look honestly at first it was me trying to help like someone had a really shitty day at work and they yeah. come in and i do their makeup i want to make them feel as beautiful as they really are but they don't know they're beautiful so it was like yeah. to really bring out their beauty and they can see it um, and that time frame, though, like I got hugs, I got, you know, little tips and stuff, but I was really, really wanting to learn prosthetics. Prosthetics, I can tell you, if you don't have a great coach, um, it takes, you You won't be a, you won't be a perfectionist of prosthetics sure. um, for at least 10 years, maybe 15, yeah. because it's so hard. Same thing with airbrushing, try to airbrush a full body, see what yeah. happens. Air, airbrushing, I can never master. People who do airbrushing for a living in movies, they even tell me it's, I'm still not that good at it, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. When you when you start in the hair salon and you're kind of you know, uh, like you said with 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 helping people with their makeup, you want to bring out the, the the beauty in them that they can't see. But starting in the hair salon, and then probably also your the impact of you being bullied outside of the hair salon by by people at school. Did did working in the hair salon and kind of dealing with your own experiences did that kind of help shape your like acceptance of others, like that the idea of, you know, uh, just just kind of the anti-bullying mind frame. Is that kind of where that started for you too? It really, I wasn't, I wasn't mature enough to really gather the anti-bullying sure. movement in my mind. And plus right. at that time, there wasn't anything called that in reality. Yeah. So I just kept that all in. I had so much anger because of it, but I never released it. And mm. it was to a point where, this is who I am. I love horror movies. I would literally just half my band never saw some of the horror movies. I'd put on all the video nasties on, on the tour bus and they yeah. would watch some of this London stuff and they would see some of these really messed up movies. A lot of, the, you know, a lot of the Italy movies, you know, like zombie yeah. and whatnot. So I think 
I got, I really just fell in love. I knew we have hate people. I always say this one thing, big brother. I always say, you look at someone in the eyes, directly in the eyes, and you ask, if you, you, you tell me you've never been a bully or bullied anyone or you've been bullied, you're a liar. Everybody's at least been bullied once or, or every, someone's bullied somebody unintentionally. It's yeah. the truth about our world. It happens. And it's a, it's a pandemic that, guess what? The government of our, our country will never bring. Like obesity and bullying is something that makes the government too much money. Yeah. 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 It's, I think it's one of those things where it's, there are people that refer to it as a rite of passage and it, it is, but man, like it's, it's the worst kind of rite of passage. Like you don't want people to have to go through that. So it's kind of like, so what, what does your, what does your anti, anti-bullying movement kind of look like? I'm going to jump around a lot through, the no, different, okay. a, through different I, times I, I in your you. chronology. I, I <laughs> So my anti-bullying thing started like when me and the guys in the band would go into stores and like, I think it was um, a pocket of Ohio. Right. And we went into like a, like a Walgreens or something at that time. Like when it was looking shitty before they got big corporate power and we went in there and we bought a bunch of eyeliner because we rock eyeliner. We tried to to look like Nikki six. He wants to like look that far and all that. And we got, someone called us a faggot like at the counter. Yeah. And that really shook with me. I'm like, yeah. I mean, and that comes back. Let me tell you, that resonated with me. What, 15 years later, when I created the brand, because that memory one day came back to me, and I'm like, why can't dudes go into a store and buy eyeliner? Yeah. Like, well, why can't a girl go into a store and buy a certain like you know product? It's why can't they or them go in there? And, no, it pissed me off. So right. the terminology is why the name Mr. Eyeliner, like I. I had to call it that for a reason of telling the world we're all individuals. The only thing, if you believe in any God that we have is our soul, use our souls correctly, use our lives correctly, you know, and be as best people as we can. Why do, what is my purpose to go out in the world and say negative things to you? What does that do for me? And if that does something for you, I'm very sorry for you. But me, I, I my model is like go out and tell a complete stranger if you really are truthful and you think hey great jacket say that great jacket oh yeah. great shoes that might improve someone's day mm-hmm. yeah what's what is the what's the reasoning behind bringing negativity to the world when it's so much easier and so less confrontational to bring positivity? Like there's, there's nothing wrong with giving someone a, you know, a kind, uh, uh, a kind compliment and just kind of like, you know, that can, that can set somebody's day in the complete right direction. Like someone can be having a terrible day. And if you just say one nice thing to them, like that, that little spark can ignite so many, so much change. Uh, So I I think you're right. Like, I I just think it's, it's tough that I think for me, it's so difficult to accept the fact that bullying is so commonplace uh, that it's just something that, you know, as I said earlier, kind of a rite of passage. Like it feels like, you know, oh, people are going to pick on you. It's just something you have to grow out of. And no, but why? That, mentality, but why? That, man, <laughs> that mentality of when daddy abuses son because yeah. he dresses a little effeminate, that that mentality should be gone already. Like the yeah. boomer generation are dying off. I yeah. hope that when the boomer generation dies off, the people who they birth, who are now dads of other kids, should not be doing that. You yes. should not. You, your kid comes home from school and they want to wear 
stuff like that. They want to. It's who they are. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I I feel like the the younger generations have kind of uh, taken that idea and ran with it. Where it's like, what's what's the point of this? Why is this? Why is this something that that we need to carry with us? That we need to uh, let out any of our frustrations uh the, the, the shit that we're dealing with at home the shit that we're dealing with on in our life why do we have to let that explode on the people who are around on a regular basis who are going through their own shit at the same time like what is what is the point uh so i am uh, uh, fully for uh, uh any kind of anti-bullying movement because it's just like i i just remember thinking back to when i was younger like the, the stuff that you would have to go through i have never been uh, a thin kid like not even <laughs> not even close to thin i don't think i could even utter like well like dude uh, you can you, uh, you carry your name very proudly i fucking <laughs> love you for it honestly yeah. sorry i i, I love i have so much respect for you and your yeah. pod i love you man for doing this <laughs> thank you so much yeah i i don't know what it was but there was just one day where i was like First off, I like alliteration, so I like the the fat dude digs flicks. I like the FDDF. Just it's just fun. But then I was like, I'm I'm a chubby guy. I've always been a chubby guy, uh, so I'm gonna own it. Like what's like it's it's what's it gonna do to like it's it's also for me it's one of those things that I can quickly take away from somebody else. Like if I call attention to it. Um, it's something that they don't have against me because I, I know it, I own it. It's just me. It's just who I am. And so I kind of instantly like shut that down. And if somebody sees that I don't have a problem with it, then why, why would they like, how, what, yeah, there's nothing why? that they can say that can have any power against me. So uh, I, I want to, I want to tell you something I've never said on my own podcast. I want to tell yeah. you a secret. Well, I was born, I was a baby. I was like a few months old and I, even to two yeah. I was the fattest baby when my mom gave. I was forty pounds. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. I was a chubby little baby forever. Yeah. You know what happened to me as I grew up? You know when you grow up and you get skinnier, you get like the marks when you lose the weight that young. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that happened to me, and I was like, it was so embarrassing to me. But I, I wore it as a, a badge of honor because right. me personally, growing up, like we didn't have a lot of money, and I didn't eat much, and I, I, I did ride bikes, and I did play hockey, and I just did anything to get out of the house we had nothing else to do after my homework you know and make sure my mom knew i was doing the right thing and not being in, in trouble and eventually i just became you know i worked out and i was on tours yeah. and stuff yeah it's like it was like my body changed it's, yeah. it's not it's every, not everybody's story but that's how it happened to me i was right. called flacco by all the spanish guys in my school you know <laughs> I, was, I was like yeah i was like okay uh yeah and i just even on tours and stuff like I, I actually went to my doctor when i got tour right and he's yeah. like if you don't eat more you're gonna die i'm like you're a horrible doctor <laughs> god you are a horrible doctor like right i am gonna change my doctor like now <laughs> god it's it's exciting like uh exciting isn't the right word to hear but it's kind of nice to know that somebody on the other side hears that from somebody in the medical profession too like because i go to the i've gone to doctors before and it's like i have a i have a cough right or i've got my, my allergies are acting up and it's like that's what i'm there for i'm there to talk to my doctor about my allergies and instead as soon as i walk through the door the doctor's like oh, you know you're overweight 100 percent. Right? Yeah. that's what they yeah. turn, that's what a doctor will turn that into 
I that's not professional. You should not see a guy who's overweight and see him walk in when you're coming in for a call. Like, you're overweight. Like I know, bro. Shut yeah, the fuck like, up. Like <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. Trust me, I got it. I woke up this morning. I looked in the mirror. I saw it. I've been like this for a while. Can we can we talk about why I'm sneezing when I walk outside? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, same, similar story. I walked into like a doctor like five years ago and. I'm like, I go in there because I have this bad cough, you know, yeah. I quit smoking for a little bit. Even someone with a bad cough. And he's like, well, because of your tattoos, like what? <laughs> I'm uh, like, I got, I got to find a good doctor. <laughs> right. Right. And this then it's like, cool. it's mind blowing when you find the right one. Cause then it's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to get yelled at the second I walk into the doctor. Like, he's just going to be like, so what's, what's going on with you? And then at the end, he might be like, Hey, just so you know, we did a blood draw. There's this, it's a little out of whack, maybe work on this, but just, you know, take care of what's bothering you right now. I'm like, dude, you're the best doctor I have ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's like, that's a, that's a godsend when you yeah. find a doctor that's literally going to say that nice stuff to you that actually makes sense, like yeah. professional wise, medically wise. You know? oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a dream come true. Um, I want to talk about, I want to, I want to go to your, I'm trying to think what I want to cover first. Let's cover your band first. I want to, I want to cover your, your, your musical journey first before we go into uh, the, the world of horror, because I know that has a lot deeper, uh, deeper meaning for you and a much broader stretch, but I want to talk about your, your music stuff. So when did you first kind of like develop that love for music? Was it when you were younger too? Cause you had mentioned the, the cock rock hair brands bands, like, you know, guns and roses, danger, danger. Was it something that, that started there? And then you were like, I can do that. I want to do that. That's, that's what I want to set my mind on. Or where did your, where did your determination to become a, a member of a band kind of kick in for you? It was this, I grew up with a single mom and a yeah. little, a two year younger sister. I was like 16. My mom bought me, a bass mm -hmm. uh about two years i sucked at the bass sure. our house got robbed the bass was stolen okay oh. I, I go to school i start playing drums i'm actually pretty good at playing drums in a school band i just felt like nobody else cared about the music and that what i really gotta be honest with i always wanted a camaraderie of friends family and we mm -hmm. do stuff together and i start and after that i met my first guitarist bandmate and i met another bass and he introduced me to a friend who was a drummer and we started this practicing and who's going to be the singer and i'm like well, what are you going to do zach and i'm like i have songs like can someone's he's like no how about you sing your songs and i'm like all right and i start singing my songs and he's like dude you're the singer you're yeah the, you're, you're the singer i'm like all right <laughs> i always wanted to be a singer after honestly after i heard the voices of jim morrison mm -hmm. uh, axel rolls um, one of my biggest influences in any kind of band had to be Scott Weiland. Sure, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be Scott Weiland. You know, I yeah. wanted to be that guy with all the women in front of the crowd. I wanted to have songs. I love Lane Channing. I was always like so pissed off that he died before I could mm. see him. I didn't want to write songs about drugs. No, I wasn't right. going to be on drugs writing the songs. I didn't want to sing about it while I was on drugs. No, I wanted to write songs. I wrote a lot of like. Uh, it started off more rock and roll, but then as we got into it, it was more like at that time and in, in, in the East Coast, it was more screamo, but it was more like long songs, emo. Mm -hmm. And we're, and even, I was on tour, bands like Taking Back Sunday, Funeral for a Friend, and 
when I met the beautiful friends from like Australia, I'm like, when I saw them play with us, I'm like, oh my God, I love this band, you know? Yeah. So I kept like improving my voice and I just kept getting inspired writing songs. And I got all these compliments about the songs are great. I might not have been as comparative as a greatest singer as the other bands I was on tour with, but like everybody would applaud me for the titles and the lyrics. So when I had my accident, uh, Victor is kind enough to like, hey, I we're gonna give you a contract to ghostwrite. People don't know ghostwriting is writing other bands' songs and right. knowing and knowing like how that singer sings. So you have to like picture how he would sing it or she would sing it, and that was re residual checks coming in and helping me and my family constantly at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that that's you know especially like uh, whoever you get connected to, that that can be a pretty lucrative deal. Is that, is, is ghostwriting now? I'm not, I'm not, again, not going to ask you to name anything, but yeah, is okay. it more, is it more common than I think people would expect? Like, is it, is it something where it's like, there is somebody who's there to kind of help kind of guide these bands along more than we would, more than we would think that, that, that there were. Well, I mean, you, I'm talking about like the early 2000s and smaller sure. labels. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you would be asked to help. They have the greatest look and all that, mm -hmm. and, and they have this, but they don't have the songs. So that's why you help up, help out them. And now it's I can then fast forward to now. Yeah. You don't see that more at rock bands. You see that with like pop singers, they get ghostwriters and everything else. Sure. Uh, then it was just to push them. But what I didn't know was they had deals with bigger labels, so they would get big deals at. I'd be left in the dust eventually. Yeah. Ugh. The, the the business of <laughs> a lot yeah. of these art industries is where it's kind of like, oh man, because you get really talented people who are putting in all this work and then they're they're not getting the the compensation that would really be helpful for them. So yeah. C capitalism, man. <laughs> Dude, it's we're gonna be dad, we're gonna be dust in the wind. Um yeah. Our, our our grand our grandkids will be dust in the wind. Capitalism will still stay alive with the, with the cockroaches. Okay, that's right. That's right. <laughs> keeps keeps on trucking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you you you're so when you when you stop uh, stop touring and, and stop ghostwriting, that's when you kind of is that when you kind of took Mr. Eyeliner to like a different, different level? Is that where you kind of pushed it out more kind of mass marketed, kind of made it. So it was, you know, something that's becoming bigger for you. Oh, absolutely not. It was like right after <laughs> I had so many start manager jobs. I, I sure. fashion, And so I styled so many people I can't name. I had to dress people because I was again, when I grew up when I was growing up, I know how to dress people. I know how to dress like stylish for bands if you go into an event so i worked at these jobs i worked for diesel i worked from the 60 i then i did all these other jobs i worked for i worked for ricky's the store in new york that mm -hmm. i was i grew in the, the ranks for a long time like almost seven years i uh, started as a store manager store manager um then i became a marketing director then i had this idea of hey Halloween. And I offered it to the people who owned the company. I was like, we should do this program I created called the Halloween Concierge, Concierge Program, where I would hire a bunch of makeup artists and I'd bring them on and we do price points. And I had the gold package, the, the all these things, price ranges. And we'd have people like they come in the beginning. I told them, like, oh, I want to do this party on the 29th. Um, and it would take 
three weeks to make what you want. So we, I started learning more prosthetics from this one artist there. I would do so many unicorn horns. Oh my God, that was <laughs> two nights I, of me up with Red Bull, like designing a unicorn head. It was, this, it was crazy. And, and that's how I got And I would love that. That's why I really love the makeup machine. I opened the first Manic Panic Salon out of Ricky's in New York. And after that, I'm going to be completely honest on your show. I'm going to say the truth. I'm going to say what happened was they hired this guy. They kicked out the original owners and the father. And they hired this golf pro to run a beauty company as mm -hmm. president. And he used me to do everything. He wanted me to be like the guy that's always there. I did the interviews for everything, but he would steal the thunder. I didn't mind it. Listen, I'm not going to like get out of my rent lane. Then we did this, this one bar I used to go to called Rodeo Bar, closed down. And I told Richard about this. His name is Richard. And he's like, all right, talk to the landlord, see if we can rent it for the month of October. I did. I made a deal. I also recruited a great catering service to do food there. And I input, I inputted my whole makeup crew at, at the time into there, set up the stations and everything. And Halloween comes, we have this big party. Blue Oyster Coat actually performed at that party. Nice. Yeah. Because uh, nice. one of the members was um the was related to one of the people from Ricky at the store at that time. And Richard comes and then, all right, I'm the one cleaning out and long night. We're like finishing out. Next day comes. It's Halloween day. It's slow there, but like and after that, I go back to work on a Monday. And but I get these calls and I get someone asking me to meet them outside. And it's like one of my makeup artists was uh harassed by mm -hmm. this man, and then one somebody else was harassed. And the one of the, the other person was fired in that morning because she named that person. And sure. then when I went to HR, I named the whole situation and Richard was in there and he's like, all right. And I had to sign something and I was fired. Hmm. So I was, my best friend, Chad at the time, picked me up. I packed up my office, took all my stuff, took all the beauty products that all the companies have always sent me from this, this, this like closet I have. We had like 18 bags carrying on the trains together. He was such a good, he's one of my, he's like someone who's like a brother to me. And we came back and it took me about like four weeks. I woke up, I looked in the mirror. I was like, I want to design my own brand. And mm -hmm. I looked and I talked to somebody and I started going to work. Designs, I started testing products. I had a small little lab in my apartment at that time, doing things, testing on all different skin tones. And it created Mr. Island. But I wanted to have like this artistic effect to every eyeliner, pencil-wise. I wanted to have it like horror love. I wanted to create, like, you could do really cool gothic looks with this kind of pencil. You could do really cool, you could be Chucky with this makeup. You could be Hellraiser with this makeup. You know, I wanted to really, it, it, my horror love was in my mind as I designed the eyeliners, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And then it just, uh, like, it kind of, uh, uh, kind of sp spiraled from there i'm guessing like because i i, I want to know like what's the like how does how did this take off for you was it something that's kind of been like this nice like is it more more regional or is it something that's kind of gone like across the country across worldwide like how did this how did this all kind of uh go forward for you well in the beginning like when i saw the brand i had this great partner who helped me with the finances in florida linda yeah. And she was really the angel to our company, and she believed in me. And we did BarberCon events. We did IBS in New York. We did Baltimore. Baltimore, oh, my God, was horrible. Like, we almost got killed in Baltimore oh, at this no. event. There was a shootout there. I was like, oh, my God. Jesus. You know? And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. and then we, we, we traveled up to those great things. And we did a lot. Of, it was just hustle. It was like every time. I had to, I had yeah. to say yes to everything. 
I just put money. You have to put a lot of money into it. And yeah, you're yeah. not necessarily making the money back, but you've got to put your hand in. I want to tell any indie uh, makeup designer, hair designer, you cannot have, develop your product in America. It's impossible. Yeah. There's no way. You have to go to countries like China or Germany to get your products. If you want to get a makeup product, an aerosol product from America, you're paying almost millions. You have yeah. to go to these countries again for like a few, like under a few thousand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's a, it's, a, it's it sounds like it's a tough kind of. Uh, yeah, it's it's so tough, and yeah. unfortunately, like my, my Chad was my partner in the company, right? And unfortunately, Chad fell in tough times, and he had to he has to he had to go away from the company, and I miss that man. And but like him and I, you know, being by yourself now running this company, like I don't drive. I'm I'm born in New York. <laughs> he, yeah. you know, it's like I can't take I can't really do these drive. I, I don't know how to drive. I can't go to these events sometimes. I can't do that stuff, but at the same time, I don't have the finances, but I do everything I can. I go to all the little marketing events that's more horror related, and I do really well with like these crowds in New York and the PA where I go to these small marketing events, these small like, um, you know, Sunday or Saturday market events, uh, things in bars where a bunch of vendors are at, I, and I stand up and I tell them my message. They talk about it. I talk to so many parents about bullying. They tell yeah. me their stories. They ask if they can call me. I'm like, yeah. And and then they say, how much we have to pay you for? I'm like, I, listen, I don't charge for anything. I'm like, if you can you know, stay some of the money that goes to me and help keep putting the flow in this company, I'm like, don't mind that. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll send you, like, tell us a number and we're fine. I'm like, oh, okay. And sometimes that's cool, but I'll never, I'll never highball them. I'll be like, right. dude, honest, under like this amount. Come on. You don't yeah. need that. I'm just trying to help. That's it. Yeah. Oh, no, I think that's awesome. I think it's, I always think it's great when there's a company that's like, they put their their kind of message first like of course selling the product is important like it's it's something that that is just kind of it's it's business it's the business model but what you're what you believe in kind of over like is over and above the importance of the product does that does that kind of make sense because it feels like that's kind of what you're you're no, going I, for yeah 100 yeah, the brand's not about the eyeliner the brand's right. about eyeliners for anti-bullying for all yeah. individuality yeah. and what i did with that man I, I finally realized during pandemic what i wanted man was i was stuck in new york in my apartment man like my like during christmas that one year every all my families had covid and i couldn't even see anyone and yeah. i'm like i'm going like stir crazy you know yeah. and um i want to do a podcast i wanted like i'm horror i just want to talk horror every yeah. minute so I looked far and hard for podcasters, and I always, from day one, wanted a female. I didn't want to do a guy on guy. Yeah. I don't like that, you know, horror podcast. I want sure. a perspective of a woman and me. So mm -hmm. we, I went through a lot of like, you know, not really committed people. I interviewed them, and we talked. Didn't really hit it off. Picked somebody who I knew once in New York, and. It turned that we did it. We did the first season together. She was very negative, very hateful. Uh, really didn't make me look good. I got all these reviews from people like she's not good for the show. She, you know, doesn't really do her homework, and that made me very defeated. And then I started doing live stuff on Instagram with some people, and I went on there. And I, everybody's like, "You're you're the horror OG. You're like you are the man." Like and I, I was like getting all these great reviews on there. Fell out of. I had a good guy I was doing a show with, but then he became a bad guy. And mm. uh, and that felt like a lot of things weren't wrong for me. That's true. But that, and during that situation, though, I met this beautiful woman named Elle. 
and she lives like in a little small town in PA. And we started talking and videos and everything. And she's so intelligent on VR. She's so qualified to talk to you about any VR film ever made. And we just hit it off. And I restarted the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop literally um, a few months before the one year anniversary of it being there. And the show now, people are like, you guys are like, kismet like you guys are perfect together we're talking about horror yeah oh, and that... we, yeah we, we do like we'll pick we'll pick the worst movie in the world and we'll still review it just to like <laughs> shit on it you know and yeah. right, we have no no boundaries but right now we're going like we said balance like we're not gonna do like the casual Valentine's Day movie we did like we did something outside the box that is very rare Christmas time we did a movie that I'm so annoyed if you looked at what Fangoria nominated for best films of the year, how's Terrifier two not on there? And in this movie itself, Christmas Bloody Christmas, oh god, the best new Christmas horror movie right now. The whole banter <laughs> between the two characters is like me and Elle talking. And like, how do you not have that? It's like you and your wife talking. It's so great, you know. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, let's. I want to. I want to. I want to dive back to horror then, because I want to kind of circle back. Because I want to go to the beginning and then kind of get to where we are now. So you said that you started like when you were when you were growing up. You know, uh, uh, as a kid, you started watching horror movies right off the bat. What were some of the, the foundational horror movies for you? What were the ones that kind of like oh. kicked the door open for you? That was just like, this is what I love. This is this this is making me fall in love with this genre. Oh, I love that. It's like uh, people, like, people of my age and your age, don't understand. Like back in the eighties, HBO would put that movie that it, HBO was God to kids who were like by themselves at home. And yeah. my mom was like, "I she knows I'm responsible. She let me watch her. So, Evil Dead, man, yeah. Predator, Monster Squad, like Hellraiser, Chucky, like uh, everything. Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors was the first one I saw after Dream like, after Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah. Uh, it was like it was constant. Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was when I played on it. Then you got Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. You had so many movies. Then you had like throwback shit, like Dead Ringers with like oh my god, how yeah. he plays. Oh, I, Irons over there plays. He plays two brothers, twins, and they're yeah. remaking it now. Rachel Weiss actually. Yeah, <laughs> coming yeah, out. yeah. That's gonna. I'm I'm actually looking forward to. It. I see the trailer. I'm like that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and then we got, and then we got into like watching an actual TV, that Pennywise thing that was on ABC, like, it was, like, right? Four episodes, yeah. And I was like Pennywise, uh huh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like I hate clowns. I'm like, I'm cool with clowns. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then Gremlins two, new batch. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, and you just kind of like, like, did you just kind of throw yourself into that world? Like, you you got so excited by what what was there that you were just kind of like, yeah, this. This is my jam. Like this is like, these are the hey, movies that I want. I can tell you this. Like growing up, like my dad was this bad, horrible dad. I won't go into that more. But like sure. he would like literally take us in a car and leave us in the theater watching Ernest Scared Stupid while he goes out and does something like buy drugs, you know, and yeah. everything else. And we I'd be in the theater watching my little sister didn't know anything about anything and, and at that time. And we're watching that. And but then my dad would show me music, Tango and Cash. Every mm-hmm. Steven Seagal movie, like, hard to kill alpha justice so i can't say i'm not you know john claude van damme blood sport i i still i still it's it's memories i can't if it's on i'm gonna watch it still 
Hearts right. of Kill, I'll watch. Like Alfred Justice, it, it was filmed where I lived for at that time. Like I will watch it, you know. Like, <laughs> before he became a Putin buddy, I I still liked him then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like so so you take this this love that started so soon, and then that kind of like that that sticks with you because you show your you know you said that you showed your uh, 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 bandmates like all the different like uh, video nasties Italian horror stuff while you were on tour. But like, was what was it that kind of? Uh, I guess where did where did the the love come from? Because it's like I know that it was there, but it was like you. This is something that's so important to you. Like this is something that it's like it's it's a part of who you are as a person is embracing these these horror movies. What like where can you? <laughs> I guess this is going to be philosophical. But where does that like like how? How does the the love that you have for horror kind of manifest itself into this uh, podcasting world? Like, why is this why is this the thing that drives you so much? Is it just the creativity of it all, or the 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 love for being scared? Like, what is it that that makes it so that horror is like what what pushes you forward? Oh, I'll start here. Like when I was like four, I had sure. this uncle, my mom's brother, and everybody loved Eddie. And Eddie was the coolest guy in the world. Loved their jacket and everything. And him and I would watch Psycho and the original, like, like you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And he, he was the coolest guy. And I was too young to remember when he passed. But yeah. he was passed way too young for me. Yeah. And I missed him. And what he said to me, what I remember was, always be what you want to be and be into what you want to be into. And I just, I remember turning on a TV screen and it was Friday the 13th, part two. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this not winning awards? Like, why like, Why is The Shining not winning awards? Why is like, my favorite movie all the time, The Exorcist? I saw, once I watched The Exorcist, I think at seven, like, at maybe eight years old, Yeah, I, I was I was in it for, to win it. I mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. Intelligent, beautiful, crafted, you know, and after that, I started loving everything hard, like reading every Fangoria magazine. And then I fell in love with Fright Night. Fright Night was like, and then they had Fright Night magazine comic books, and I would yeah. beg my aunt to find me a Fright Night comic book, please, 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 please. I have Peter Vincent and 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 uh, Charlie are fighting aliens in this episode in this book, you know, and I, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I was like so into it, I was so obsessed with just like watching everything that was horror. Like I remember watching Children of the Corn. I'm like my mom, that's our favorite, that's our worst. She hates that so much. Children of the Corn. <laughs> I get scared the shit out of her when she saw it. Sure. And and not there's this new remake which won't, won't scare you as much as that original I think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Like, yeah, every, <laughs> everything I, I I go into my uncle, my aunt's like boyfriend, time became her husband. He like officially surprised me at Fangoria conventions, I guess, which they don't have anymore. Fangoria used to do in New York uh, conventions and like this hotel, and I got to meet like all my heroes, like Robert England, um, Angus Scrim. I have an autograph of my experience that says, boy, you know, <laughs> and he was just the, he was the most gentle person, like most like, great soul I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was on, I, I was so grateful. I met all these people back then. Um, I, man, I have a wall of them. I mean, like, just go over real quick of the autographs. Yeah. I remember Daniel Harris. I like, that was my crush. I met Daniel Harris. I yeah. met Reggie Bannister. Uh, I actually met D. Snyder, but then ran into him in Long Island, New York, at a restaurant three different times. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he's like him and his son. 
and his son knows my one of my ex-girlfriends. It's weird, you know? <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, that was these good times. And forever, I was like, yeah. That was like a time, like, that was like the time when your kids and like, your teenagers, and they had these, now it's like all about sports things and wrestling things. They don't even give time to horror conventions in New York. You have to go all the way to the ass pit of New Jersey to go to anything. Yeah. 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 And here, like here in the Midwest, uh, uh, in, in at least South Dakota, there's, there's not much of anything. And so it's like, we've got to go to like Minnesota for something, uh, sometimes Kansas city, Missouri for something. So it's like just trying to find these kind of like these conventions that exist back then, like they're just, it's not, it's not the same anymore. Um, and, like, and dude, you, you're also looking at the, the fact that like, say you have a significant other or a child, these yeah. prices are not the same anymore oh yeah good lord yeah like i remember when i was younger uh it was a different you know different kind of convention but like they would have uh uh, uh like trading card conventions that were just like in these hotel lobbies where admission was free like you had to buy the products and stuff but like you know if you wanted to get in all you had to do was was walk in you know there were some of course that you had to pay admission for but there were a few where it was just like no come on come on in and i'm like what happened to that time frame where oh being able to walk around yes. and look around like you're not if, if you want to buy something of course you have to pay for it but like to just walk around and look and see all the things that are there man that's it's it's sad <laughs> that now uh there's an admission just for like looking so i don't know i'm getting old i think that's what no this all dude, comes down I, to. I, I, i'm like grandpa now i'm like yeah. everybody's talking to grandpa i get upset when i see the young girls with their like with their stomach showing on the bus because i have two nieces I'm like I, yeah. I don't like that sorry but yeah it's like I want, my niece is like a lot of anime shit and like a sure. lot of like that cosplay but i if I'm a speaker, I, I do anti-bullying speaking at a lot of these cons, yeah. and I can get them passes. But when I don't, I have to pay them. I have to pay like sixty bucks for me, and then forty bucks for each of them. What? Yeah. Back yeah. in the day, you know how much? And let me tell you about this: the photo ops. The, the oh my thing. god! When I was a kid, it was like it's fifteen dollars for a photo and a picture and all this. Now it's like eighty bucks if you want to get the photo op and the picture with your camera. Yeah. Yep. And like everything is separate too. You have to get, you can get the picture, you can get the autograph, you can get this. Sometimes they have a package where you can get all of them together, but it's just like, uh, it's so, it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's sometimes it's really not worth it, man. It's like, yeah, yeah I love these cons. Uh, I, I, I always wanted to go to the Supernatural Con in Jersey, but it's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, just. Yeah, crazy, crazy admission prices. Um, I want to kind of we're, we're we're let's kind of dive into our featured movie of the week because this kind of goes along with your your horror roots here because you did name this one and this is the movie we're going to talk about. So let's take a second to kick back, relax, and talk about the Monster Squad. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... Sure. 
They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something's out there that's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. First off, before we even get started, let me tell you, when you, when you picked this movie, I was so excited because uh, I love this movie so much. Like, this is this movie is like one of those cornerstones of growing up for me. And you know why I really wanted to pick this movie? Because of horse. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> He's the best. I know you. I know you're gonna get a kick out of that. I know yeah. you're gonna have fun with this. I know yeah. you will. Horace rules. Horace is the best. I know. Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, in in your words, Zach, what is like ex- describe to the audience if they haven't seen it or if they have and just love the movie? What is the plot of the Monster Squad? The Monster Squad is basically like. Uh, an eight, it's truly 80s. You have terminology used by people that you would not, you would get killed in America now using yeah. and everything else, but it's completely 80s. And it's about, you get intro to this movie with Van Helsing and his, Van Helsing, who, if you don't know, was the one that was going up the Dracula and his band of Freedom Fighters considered to be like, you know, written in the world of vampires and stuff. And it says in the title, they blew it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just see a Dracula going out there trying to it's basically every universal monster at that time that existed that we had rights to like the properties to he brings out Frankenstein's monster he brings up the, the creature from the Black Lagoon the Wolfman the Mummy Dracula it's all there we have all that nostalgia then we get this ki- a bunch of kids and they're like you know they're all about horror like you or, you or me would be at that age yeah. I I had a bunch of friends I could have a Monster Squad club with in a, in a treehouse. I always wanted a treehouse, and I yeah. have it like the Monster Squad kind of kids. But it's basically a bunch of these teenage, not even teen, kind of preteens actually, and yeah. uh, one teen, and they find out that Dracula is back and he's got a list, and no one's going to believe them, and they got to fight the forces of evil. And uh. it's in eighties fashion. You get all the quirks, you get all like the bad jokes, you get the one-liners, and that's it. That's really what I think. <laughs> it's just it is it is so incredible. Do you remember? I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that you might not remember the first time that you saw this movie, but do you kind of remember like what yes. this movie felt like to you growing up? It. I saw it on HBO on a sure. couch. I taking care of my sister, and at the end of the movie, I'm like. Wow, yeah. I want I want a Monster Squad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this was one of those movies for me that I think after the first time I saw it, I probably the same with you. I probably saw it first on HBO, just like someday hanging out, and there it is. And I go, this is the greatest movie I have yes. ever seen. Why did yes. I not know this movie existed? Uh, and then it was like I, I'm sure I, I watched like read in the TV guide when it was going to be playing again, so that I could record nice it, and watch reference. it over again. Nice, reference. hell yeah. <laughs> And then just like record it and then watch it over and over and over. And it was, this was a movie that I played constantly, constantly. Like uh, it was just, it was something that was so like, I, I loved the Goonies. So I would have the Goonies for kind of my like comedy action adventure, uh, a kid's movie. And then monster squad was like my horror 
comedy kids movie and it was like i just i would play those movies like back to back like constantly just in in constant rotation because they were just so much fun and it was like these are these are my friends like these are the friends that i want to have i want to i want to get together with all these people and just kind of enjoy like enjoy life enjoy our adventures and i was obsessed obsessed yeah, with these truly let me ask you man when you like when we were kids watching that you wanted yeah. to do this. Imagine us talking to kids our age. They'd be like, "You're a nerd." They don't, yeah. they don't like that. Wasn't even on a radar of like, anybody until you got later on in your twenties that you could talk to people about it. Like, yeah, you, you didn't really know anybody that watched the Monster Squad, you know? Right? And it's like this didn't do big in the theaters. It became a cult classic to the extreme. Yeah, but also screw you guys. Like besides the James Bond films. Whatever movie has a theme song for their actual movie in the movie, The Monster Squad. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on. It is, it is Monster Squad. It is uh, Turtle Power from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, your your list is very small. Uh, and they're the great. Like, all of those ones from like my, my childhood, <laughs> just they're the best. I um, agree. So what what about Monster Squad really kind of stands out to you as something that makes it like uh super important to you? Like why does why does this movie have such an impact for you? It's like I'm gonna say just like 21 Jump Street. Yes, I love 21 <laughs> Jump Street. I want to be Johnny Depp in 21 Jump Street and probably sure. even Richard Grieco. Uh this movie <laughs> has a bunch of friends who all support each other. It is this family of they believe in what they're doing and they they love that that nature of art. Like you get introduced to Sean and Patrick in like the principal's office, and they're like they're, instead of like studying in class, they're drawing horror pictures. And and I, I love the line when Patrick states like and he calls her like you know the teacher meow mix because her head's big. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get like the that the principal character who's like it's so eighties like kind of like, creepy touching the kids in a way like you wouldn't do that nowadays right <laughs> you know <laughs> science is real monsters are not and then as they walk up they talk and they they call they basically this, this kind of language would not be said now they're like what they call them like a faggy like it's kind of faggy yeah. homo it's like you, you don't hear that I and mean, you would yeah. not hear that anymore but like that was the 80s come on that was 86 yeah. that was like that movie and you got these kids saying that in that school so um what stood out for me a lot was just the characters but what really stood out for me was the character of Rudy, who, again, as a kid, Rudy stands out to me because, hell yes, I wanted to be Rudy. I wanted to be the kid on the smoking a cigarette on the bike who stops somebody getting bullied and beat up and uh-huh. has the other kid eat the candy bar he threw on the floor for our character, Horace, who they call Fat Kid. Yeah. Eat it, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, first off, I want to I want to talk about that that relationship between Sean and Patrick. Like one thing that I really like about this movie is that like in a lot of movies where you establish two best friends right away, like somewhere in the movie there's going to be a conflict between between them where they don't get along. I'm so yeah. glad this movie doesn't do that. Like this is a movie where it's just the friends are friends. They're dealing with enough like together that they don't need anything to kind of throw their friendship in turmoil. Like uh, I, I'm so glad this movie does that because it shows that, Hey, some friendships just last. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, you see one kid, you would never see this in real life. I, in my days yeah. where I live. 
like what Sean's wearing a Stephen King rule shirt that I yeah. had as a kid. Like everybody now, everybody wears that shirt at horror cons, you know. Yeah. And then you get Patrick, who looks like a Corey Haim kind of type, like kind of suave and look like you know he buys his sunglasses from Ray Ban and shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You got the geeky kid and the cool kid, and they're best friends. Like it's just oh, yeah, so great, so great. And then of course you know Horace. Uh, I love Horace. Like, how can I not? How can I not love Horace? Like being <laughs> being the perpetual fat kid. Like, I'm just like this kid is so good. And he gets. Like, if you were Horace line. in high school, if you were in high school and I knew you, you'd be Horace. I'd be Sean. I'd be the <laughs> awkward kid. You would be the fat kid. Whatever. But I would call you Horace, and you yeah. call me Zach, and we would be best friends. That's but right. In this movie, this this is a whole crew who are best friends, and it's for now mom how like they, it's great how they interact yeah oh yeah um so then they get to talking like uh, one of the best scenes for me is when they are getting uh, uh inviting rudy into the club and they kind of go through like give him the pop quiz on like how to kill these monsters like who these monsters yeah. are uh like it's just it's so great and then it's like uh, 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 they they run down the ways to kill a werewolf, and it's like no, there's 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 got to be more than one. And he's like no, there's only one way to kill a werewolf, and I love how it comes back uh, later in the movie <laughs> when when he does eventually shoot uh, the wolf man. Like just uh, so good. This movie is great about setting stuff up and paying it off. Like I think that's I, something that's super cool. Hundred percent. And yeah, I, I got like, as I said, a lot of the banter and like the the stupid one liners. Like yeah. when they say wolf dork, you know, yeah. like he's got, <laughs> that's why he wears pants. He's got a wolf dork, you know, right. <laughs> kick him in the north. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into that. What are some of your favorite things about this movie? Either, either characters, sequences, like what, what stands out to you about the monster squad? Monster squad, like honestly, the, like the friendship in that like clubhouse. Then, like, with the little sister Phoebe, and how yeah. Phoebe eventually meets the Frankenstein's monster, and she's like, Stop being, you know, whatever. And <laughs> they, and you know, like, that's, he's our friend. And then also, Rudy, man, I gotta just say, Rudy kills, he kills, he's the biggest, he kills most of the monsters in the movie. I gotta tell you, mm-hmm. like, he, Rudy is like badass. But then, when Rudy's doing it in the clubhouse. He's looking across the, the over there, and he's taking. He's looking at this hot blonde that turns out to be Patrick's sister, and later finds out it is Patrick's sister. And I, I just, if you watch the movie, honestly, this is so eighties. Patrick doesn't really seem like he's annoyed the fact that Rudy's looking at his sister naked or taking pictures at all. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, um, that's my older sister. Like, maybe not take pictures of her changing her clothes in the window. <laughs> let's not i don't i don't really feel comfortable talking about my sister's sexuality uh you know just just because but whatever <laughs> Why <not? laughs> it's like oh, i don't get that at all <laughs> yeah yeah uh I, I do i think these i think this group of characters like you said is just so so solid um well like because they're they are so close like and even the ones when they kind of pick on each other a little bit like you know you have the 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 the, the counter example that i'll always give to this one is goonies which again i love the goonies i love the goonies love so the much goonies. Yeah, yeah absolutely adore it they pick on each other like they will they will joke around with each other and call each other names and it feels like there's there's a friendship there but there's also you know 
I think if if like Mikey wasn't there, I don't necessarily know if Mouth and Chunk would be friends. <laughs> I kind of feel <laughs> yeah. like this... and I, I gotta say with Monster Squad, like these kids were young. The actor yeah. Rudy was a little older. This yeah. is like a smaller movie, like not like the Goonies. These kids had to hang out because oh, yeah. when they're doing their scenes, we we interpret it like they are actually friends. Like mm-hmm. they know each other. Like even that one scene when uh, Frankenstein's monster like throws down a uh, shot and then you got Patrick massaging his shoulder in the clubhouse. You know? <laughs> it's like they are buds. Like they are total buds like through and through. And I just, I love that. Like it's so cool to see just a genuine friendship on screen. Uh, last time that I watched this, I didn't. I, I I try to rewatch everything like right before I do an episode, but I had just recently rewatched it, so I was like, oh, if I don't get around to it, I think I'll be okay. But one thing that really stood out to me the the last time that I watched this movie is you have the uh, the creepy German guy who is yeah. a, a Holocaust survivor. And yes. like he says this line in this movie that he's like he's not afraid because he's dealt with worse monsters before. Yeah, and then and like, when just... he closes the door and you right? see his number. That that me, I'm I'm Jewish, Hispanic, Italian. Sure. So I I I've actually spoken in my days to survivors of the whole and it's very harsh and yeah. it's very hard. But that was such a I don't know how that was not powerful enough for this movie to make more yeah. money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, when I was younger and I watched this movie, it didn't register with me. And it was because, you know, you're, you're a kid, and, like, I'm I'm a, 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 you know, waspy kid from the Midwest, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I, I, I don't discredit you if we're kids sure. watching that film and we don't recognize that. No, yeah. we wouldn't. I don't think we have the brain that, at that point, too. Right. But I think once you kind of grow up and you get educated and you kind of learn about things like that, everything with the creepy German guy is just so much more, like, Oh, this movie is awesome. Like it's, yeah. it's dealing with so much. Like, and it's trying to bring this, like, infuse this little piece of history into this, you know, very fantastical story. But it's just I don't know. It's that that it's that little extra layer that adds something to it that I think is just like chef's kiss, like just exquisite how they add that to it. I have poopy people over there, you know. Oh, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like it's not that kind of German dude, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what are what are other things about this movie? I, I I find this movie for me uh to probably be one of the most quotable uh movies like from my childhood. It's Absolutely. something that I feel like I can go back to and just come up with all kinds of random quotes. Is that you kind of find yourself doing the same thing? Oh, when I watched it today again, I was like, "This quote central. It's quote central. It's, I yeah. it's, didn't know how many to have. But uh, one thing I want to like point out is the amazing makeup by Stan Winston yes. that did all the creatures. And from the creature from the Black Lagoon to Tom oh. Noonan playing, like, you know, the Frankenstein monster. And then we get, and I, I don't know if people know this, Jonathan at that time, but John Grise, who plays mm-hmm. the desperate man slash the werewolf. He two years later played a werewolf again in Fright Night Two, one of my other yeah. favorite movies. Yeah. Oh, if oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this real quick. If there is a movie that needs a Blu-ray uh, 4K release, uh, it's Fright Night Part Two. Uh, yes. I love I love the first for the Fright Night. Like just love it, love it, love it. But man, Fright Night Two rules. <laughs> I, I, I Fright Night Two is so underappreciated. You know. Yes. 
Yes. Like Julie, Julie Carmen, who played that character, I had a crush on her my whole teenage years. <laughs> like, oh my God, I loved her. She was yeah. so sexy. You couldn't tell where she was from. That whole like dancing when she throws the cross into the mirror. Man, man, just flashing, flashing back now. It has been so long since I have seen that movie, but I'm just like, it is so great, and she is wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I truly think like I had this really bad day. I'll just come home, just like throw on Fright Night too. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I, do you I have Do you have the VHS of it? I do. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yes. I, 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 I've not. So during the day of VHS, when VHS was like the thing, I had a ton of VHS, like had a huge collection of VHS movies. And then when it upgraded the DVD, I was like, well, I don't need these anymore. That was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was a big mistake. It was a huge mistake, right? You know how much you can make money on VHS? No, I know. Uh, so it's like i'm just kind of like it's it's not the thing that i feel like i can go back to i don't have a vcr i don't necessarily want to purchase a vcr but i want <laughs> i want my upgrades <laughs> yeah oh, no, i know like we keep going off topic but i have to say this i was doing this event like three weekends ago and yeah. um you ever heard of that movie that documentary um my life as a screen queen starring mark Catton from that yeah. too yeah so i meet one of the people that worked on the film and he was amazing, amazing guy. And he, it's all the crew was like pretty much LGBTQ, and I love that. And yeah. he's telling me the stories. I'm like, I'm going nuts hearing the stories. And Mark was like, Mark would hide out. Mark was like, he's so he was such a power player. He would actually come out and do everything. And he like it was depressing and stuff. But then he actually got on the phone at these events and he talked to the director on Facetime. And he saw that I was selling a copy of Nightmare on Street Two and bought it for me. And showed the yeah, it was so cool. Oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he lives in New York and he does like horror trivia nights in the city. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh jumping back, we'll jump back to Monster Squad, but man, like just these these other movies, like it always reminds me just how awesome that time period was. And I wish that I uh, I know that as a kid, I appreciated it, but I wish that there was part of me that could go back and like appreciate it with the kind of sensibility that I had now where it's like, yeah, I think the youthful innocence of it all of like just being a kid and really absorbing all that stuff, like a sponge is one thing, but I also think being me now, like, and now just how I like love movies almost unconditionally, like to be able to soak that stuff up would be just incredible to kind of relive that the, 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 the world of horror from the 1980s. Yeah. With me, I think it's, it changed me when I started watching the eighties horror films, I carried it with me every day. I carried with me in the van. I carry with me in makeup. I want, when I was doing these Halloween makeup effects with another artist collaborating with them i was like i want to make it more bloody i want to make it look like a real dead unicorn that got like, bashed by a demon I, yeah. I everything i like i was so infatuated with horror like i would literally play a makeup artist a scene out of hellraiser 2 and i'm like that's what i wanted to look like you know yeah 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 it's just it's so like I want to say revolutionary. Like it was just the the stuff that they were doing back then really kind of set the tone for, you know, where they would go in the future and just kind of push things even further. But it was just kind of like this, this way of really like 
getting down and dirty with stuff that just is so much fun to go back and see. Um, and then at the time it was like, <laughs> it's just like, like nothing we had ever seen before. No. And let me ask you a real honest question. Yeah. Hollywood rapes every movie that we love. Honestly, think you could remake the Monster Squad and make it any relevant, like mm. the original. No, no, there's no such thing as that. That friendship, that no. brotherhood, the treehouse, all that stuff. The father, Dell, you know, who's yeah. you know, who goes out there and does what he does. You know, like, yeah. I, I, I love Dell, a great character. You know, yeah, like how, and I even like want to mention like how Sean and Dell talk about how where is the father going? Like, oh, marriage counseling again, again. You know, well, how many movies show marriage counseling? So they right? talk about that with their kids, you know? Yeah, and, like, the kids know about it. Like, that's, that's I think, the thing where it's, like, you're, the kids wouldn't know about it in most movies. But here it's, like, yeah, they're well aware. <laughs> that, that yeah, like, what Phoebe says to the mom, are you going to punish him? And he's, and the mom's, like, father, what? I mean, Sean, you're scaring me. And I'm, like, oh, shit. Like, that's, like, what, this is, like, this is different, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 bringing some reality into this kind of fantastical movie. Um, movie about kids with this stuff. You never had this in the Goonies, you know. You right? never had this in any of these Corey Haim, Corey Feldman films. You never had yeah. the seriousness. Oh, and I think maybe that's maybe that's why, like, I like Monster Squad so much. Like, it's written by a uh, 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 Decker, like Shane uh, Shane Black and, Fre- and Fred Decker. Yeah, Shane Black, who did like you know Lethal Weapon, and yeah. Fred Decker, who's like you know hasn't done much afterwards, but that was like his baby. Yeah, and it's like there's this uh, not like well, yeah, I mean, there's this honesty to it, and there's a, like the sense of of uh, being an adult to it, and I think it's it's like not talking down to kids, which I think is super important for uh, a family movie not to talk down to kids. Like, because you want, if, if you're going to have your, your target audience relate to a movie, you don't want to treat them like they're children. You want to treat them like they're people. And I think that movie does this so well uh, that it's just, it's like, you're it, it's just second nature like everything feels very genuine the relationships feel very genuine the way everybody's treated feels very genuine and then yes you have this really fantastical monster element added to it but there's the story at the core of all of these people involved whose relationships like have gone on before this movie and then will continue to go on after this movie and just they are uh, except for the guy, of course, who gets his head squished by the <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just I, I love the way they kind of develop all these characters in a way that feels very, very genuine, very real. Uh, speaking of real, like one of the most human moments of this film for me that I can always hold in my heart was no one Sean's out there watching the the movie number thirteen of uh, Groundhog's Day thirteen, and yeah. his dad was promised to take him to, but he's watching it from his like binoculars to the theater and his dad comes out there and has to talk with him I'm like I wish I had that as a kid you know yeah Yeah. like everything about that is so so nice like it's like they 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 just sit on the balcony together pass the binoculars back and forth like share a drink of something right like it's just it's such a it was like yeah or something right yeah like what a what a nice tender moment where it's like oh 
man, how, what a happy family, (laughs) even, even with the stuff that's going on, like that relationship is so like genuine, uh, human, real. I really, I really, I really think if more 80s kids, like cities all over the place got to see that with somebody else, they would, this movie would have done way better in the theater. Oh yeah. really touched a lot of hearts even every scene with phoebe and frankenstein's monster mm. you know he's our friend guys i think that kind of thing like the mom you know freaking out yeah. when she sees dracula turn into a bat after he just blew up the the, the clubhouse and killed the best friend of, the, of, of her husband you know yeah oh man yeah that was harsh I like there are things there are parts about this movie where I do watch it and like oh my god like this is this is kind of terrifying like like it's a fun movie but there are moments that are pretty scary one that stands out for me is like you know it's during the final sequence and and they shoot at Dracula and he crashes like the the bat crashes into the like like the disgusting like great thing by Stan Winston yeah yeah like the half bat half human like. Oh, like he what does is, he say? The suck on this, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, and then like what they strap the 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 um, uh, dynamite to the Wolfman, and the, they explode the Jesus? like, <laughs> yeah, and the, he goes back together like it's Terminator Two, <laughs> or, or it's like it's like for me it reminds me of Plato coming back together, like yes, <laughs> yes, oh uh, yeah, um, what. What else about this movie do you really enjoy? Or or maybe even more detail on something that you said before. I know that you talked about the monsters. Uh, the design of all of these characters, really, it's like it's it's the best that some of them have ever Dude, looked. Like, growing up, like when I watched this, I think you can agree. Did you not want friends like this? Like oh, yeah. I wanted a, I wanted Rudy as my big brother, you know? Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. I was a big, I was a big imaginary friend kid. Like I was, I was the person that was like, you know, I would, I would be at home and sometimes I would like pretend I had all these friends and the way that I had my imaginary friends is usually they were, they they were either the Goonies or the Monster Squad. (laughs) Like those were the people. Oh, I I, I love that emission. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Me, for me, I would even, I I would go out like in the summer and meet this like friend. I'm like, yes, this like 21 jump street right and we're yeah. lots of squad you know yeah <laughs> and i just like i don't know i i i liked them so much that i was like i wanted to know i wanted there to be more adventures with them so it, what i would do is i would just make up the adventures on my own and i would pretend they were there and i would get to be part of the the clubs and it was just i don't know it was just a lot of fun being a kind of a creative uh kid like i, I had friends i did i had friends but like you know, sometimes were, were, it's just... Were, were, were they like what you like? You know, like me, yeah, I had friends, exactly. but would they want to sit down with me and watch these things? Mm, you know? Right, probably not. Like, it's probably, they, they probably weren't, and I, I think even to this day, except for, you know, a lot of the friends now that I've made as adults really are big-time movie fans. But it's like, I almost feel that to an extent, if, up until a certain point in my life, like there weren't the friends that were as obsessed with things the way that I was. And it's like, I can't really, I can't really reveal that part of myself to these other people. So that was maybe, maybe that was one of the reasons why I had all these imaginary friends because it was like, Oh, it's basically just an extension of my personality. I'm just kind of 
making them like making them up and kind of creating them as I go along. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a psychological thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I totally understand that, dude. Because at that time, like, I remember, like, besides horror, right, my other uh, big love was anything John Hughes. Sure. So trying to talk to a, uh, someone my age group and trying to watch them watch The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, yeah. I wanted to be John Bender, you know? and Of course. Movie is boring. Let's watch a Rambo movie, you know? <laughs> no. No, give me, like, give me, give me Breakfast Club. Give yeah. me Ferris Bueller. Give me Weird Science. Oh, yeah, give me Weird <laughs> Science, man. Like seriously, talk about good friends, you know? Yeah, right. Oh, let's yeah. create a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they did. Like they have been... we, uh, Lisa Brock. Like okay. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Seagal. We all know you beat the shit out of her when oh. she was pregnant. You asshole. Yeah. What a what a dick, Stephen Seagal. Um, what 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 would you say is your favorite uh, sequence, favorite scene from this movie? And I, this is a movie where I feel like that's a really challenging question. Oh, because no. so much of it I, is I, great. I, I got it. I got it. Okay. You ready? I yeah. got. It. Oh, the scene when they can't get into the church, right? And they see yeah. the three vampire chicks coming, and Rudy's like has a cigarette, and he just as he walks down, he's like, "Where you going, Rudy?" He's like. I'm in the club, and I. And he goes out there with a cigarette in his mouth, takes the bow and takes the arrows, and, and shoots two of them. And the oven comes in and stabs her with the steak he made in wood shop. It's like yes, yes, that is a money shot. You killed yeah. three of the vampire chicks with like a steak and arrows that you stole from uh, archery class, and you actually design- you made the steaks in wood shop. <laughs> then he actually made several bullets in another course. I don't know what school in the 80s would not notice you making silver bullets, but okay. <laughs> right? Like, if you imagine like now, like one of our kids, we get called to school and our, your son was making silver bullets in class. He's going to jail now. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're done, bud. <laughs> yeah. There's no werewolves. You're just a yeah. psycho. You're going to jail. I'm sorry. Yeah. Your educational experience is over, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Rude, that moment, Rudy, that was that. And I always have to add the scene when Superman, Van, uh, werewolf, comes right and in the street where Rudy's still shocked that he did what he did. And then yeah. he's beating the shit out of all the cops. Yeah. Coming in, and he takes a gun, a cop's gun, puts the silver bullet, in, just one, and shoots the desperate man, vampire, a werewolf, and he thanks him. Thank you. Yeah, you know, he didn't yeah. want to be a werewolf. Yeah, he's the whole the whole movie. He's like, just you need you need to take me. You need to you, you need, need to lock, to lock me, up. me up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, man, so good. I I love I love that whole ending like the whole where they're where they're finally getting uh to confront the the monsters and of course for me it's you know horace is locked out (laughs) he's locked the bullies ej and the other (laughs) bastard kid yeah let me in let me no like you assholes you're not gonna let him in yeah and then okay fine i'm gonna kill i'm gonna kill the creature from the black lagoon and he does and then they oh it's just the names horus oh, yeah what are you just, like clocks the oh, gun yeah that was like you will never beautiful. be bullied in school again you know? <laughs> uh i i love this movie like i can't i can't i can't put it any other way i absolutely love this movie I, I, I so say, much I, 
I'm not trying to be on Rudy's like dick at all, but like I gotta yeah. say, he also <laughs> killed the mummy, man. I he's know. Like, Give me some slack. Give me uh. some slack. And he shoots the arrow into the tree, and the mummy just comes unraveled. In the whole situation, you see legs come off. Rudy is just the coolest. Like I know, Rudy, Rudy just gets it. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving these kids, man. Yeah. Uh, um, if you were to recommend this movie to to somebody else who's not seen it, um, and you were to kind of take one scene to be like, "Look, watch this. This kind of sets the tone for the movie." What what scene would you use to kind of recommend this movie to somebody? Ooh, I would recommend. Um, I would say the best sequence when the Monster Squad forms when Sean's telling his big speech and he's like, "Shut the shut the hell up already!" And he's telling them like, "Who's going to stop the monsters? The cops aren't. We need to." And yeah. that scene alone makes the movie. He's like, he's yeah. telling the monsters because like, Rudy's looking at uh, the, the Patrick sister in the window. Everybody's playing games and and Sean just like shuts that down. And it's like. We need to, we need to, we're the only ones that can do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that triumphant call to action. And it just, it sets the movie going. And I think if you, if you get hooked in by that sequence, like you are, you are latched in and you're going to love this thing. Uh, yeah. Just a, like, what, what, what a, a little, like a keen kid is telling all the friends, the cops can't do anything. Nobody can, where you can, we're the monster squad. We can yeah. do it. And after that, oh. we get that great sequence of their missions where like Rudy's doing his thing and you know Patrick's doing his thing, printing out the cards of the Monster Squad, you know, and the little kid with the dog is yep. doing his thing. Mommy came in my room. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so and good. I, and that scene alone, that scene could tell somebody, like where the father comes in, ooh, monsters come out, you know, like being a dick dad. Like, right. You come into our room again. Not only am I going to ground you, but you're not going to read these comic books anymore, you know? Oh, and the mummy's like, eh, in the closet right behind him. <laughs> oh, just genius. Uh, Zach, this has been just an absolute blast uh, getting to chat with you about you, about this movie. Uh, I have one last set of questions for you, if you are ready for them. Uh, this is called The Fat Five. Uh, they're five kind of rapid-fire-ish questions that are just kind of a general gauge on your your love for movies. So, Zach, are you ready for The Fat Five? Ready for the fat five. I've been born for it. Hell yeah. All right. Question number one. This is usually the toughest. Uh, it's the one that people get really upset with me for asking, but we're going for it. Uh, question number one, Zach, what is your favorite movie of all time? Bonnie and Clyde. Which one? The original Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, hell yeah. The, fo- the, 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 the zoom kind of cut out there for a second, but yeah, Bonnie and Clyde rules. Great movie. Me and Farrow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, question two: uh, Who is your favorite actor? Your favorite male performer? It's a it's a two part question. The second part will be your favorite actress. Favorite actor growing up: Johnny Depp. Nice. Okay. And then uh, favorite favorite actress. Ooh, that's even tougher. Wow. Um, uh, it changes throughout the years. Yeah. That's a, that's a big stumper. <laughs> Damn it! Like, yeah, <laughs> favorite actress uh, for years. Uh, it had to be uh, right now. It's Rachel Weisz. She's sure. done amazing projects. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's great. Just great, great actress. Uh, question three. The 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 typical question would be, who is your favorite director? But I like to ask it a little bit differently. Is the, who, I should say, who is the director that if they had a film that came out tomorrow, you wouldn't need to see a trailer, wouldn't need to know the cast, wouldn't even need to know the story, but just Sorry, know it. it. Quentin yeah. Tarantino. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty common one where it's like, oh man, yeah, just, just get another movie out and I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, question number four, is there a movie coming out that you are excited to see or one that you haven't had a chance to see yet that as soon as you do get that chance, you will head out to the theaters or, or head to video on demand and watch it. Evil Dead Rises. Nice. Yes. Super excited for that. That trailer was awesome. Oh. Evil Dead in an apartment building. Mm. Yes, I can't wait Hell for that. Yes. I can't it looks, wait. It looks gory. And I will. <laughs> I will tell you, my friend. I have this. I don't know if you. I, you don't know this about me. I have been for six months straight talking to eighteen, twenty makeup artists. I have to. I have to, I have to watch a new screen movie to prove that they didn't shoot that shit in New York. And that's my goal. <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody has proof that he filmed it in New York. I just feel saying that. I bet it was like Canada, somewhere in Canada, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Uh, last question. The name of this show is Let's Talk About. Uh, I usually rate the movies I watch using the taco scale. So then, Zach, your question is craft for me your perfect taco what kind of tortilla are we using what kind of protein are we using cheese like craft a great taco for me you um all right, i'm a really boring taco guy That's i do okay. beef and cheese i'm very yeah. basic perfect uh, for you i would do <laughs> i would do some salsa sauce sauce and i would do some incredible like really like Right, hot sauces on there for you. Ooh. Some beans, and maybe over that, I would just dive that with a little sauce of a different type. Make it the hottest taco you ever had, and see if you can do it. I can't. I will fail. I will fail right away. Like I'm, I'm, take- I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> take you back to like I'm gonna take you back to like John Candy, man. Yeah. When he had to do the the old sixty nine er, I'm like I'm I, I, come on. <laughs> tapping out early i'll be like i need a milkshake like give me give me that and have another one lined up because this is instant death <laughs> you and i could never go on that show the challenge where we have to eat oh. like the dad stuff like i like these shows like then when they start puking and when they eat like no way buddy no. <laughs> yeah no thank you no thank you know you. the thing is people think that bigger dudes have like that stamina for eating no oh no one's bigger doesn't mean shit no. i've seen you ever see who, eat, who wins the hot dog contest? It's like a small Asian dude yeah. who's like 100 pounds. It's the same little guy for the last like decade. Yeah. Like these are these are tiny people that know how to stuff a lot of food in their mouth. One that's in New York, and I went to one like a few years back, and like oh. the guy you think would win, like the big dude, like he was like he's like ready. He tapped out like oh yeah, like a, a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd be out right away. I can't do it. I can't do it. Like I want to. I want to eat and enjoy the food, not cram, cram it all into my face as fast as I can. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. But uh, Andrew, would you like to do? A, would you like to give a score to uh, Monster Squad? Yeah, us? yeah, 
Yeah, last time I reviewed it, I gave Monster Squad, I gave it four tacos, four out of five tacos. I just, I love this movie. Um, I I think it is one that I can watch over and over and over again and still just, still find things that, you know, maybe things that didn't quite click for me when I was younger. Now will continue to click even more as an adult, but I just... I love how this movie brings those monsters to life, and I love just how real and uh, uh, enviable the the friendships are in this movie. So, yeah, I love this movie so much. Four tacos for me. All right, I'm going to think about all the reasons why I'm going to give this score, and I'll explain it. I'm giving okay. it a perfect five of tacos. Awesome. Tacos yeah. that I want to eat ever, but I try, because not only did it give me a new friendship with you, Andrew, I love you now, and everything <laughs> else. We're a family, but no, right. growing up, this movie kept me alive. This movie kept me inspired. It kept me becoming a wannabe, a gusting horror writer ever. And I, I am going to try to work on a screenplay about childhood and this kind of stuff. But like, th- there's not another movie. There's Goonies and whatnot. But Monster Squad was different for me. Monster Squad was, that was more me. I wanted to be the Sean. I think I was the Sean. I would draw horror paint like, things in my notebooks at school. I, you know, and I loved it. If I had these kinds of friends then, we could have been like the new Ghostbusters or something, you know? So yeah. like, honestly, the, the Monster Squad has so much nostalgia for me, but I think it did. When it became a cult classic, when people saw it afterwards, it helped a lot of people realize yeah. who they really are. Like, you shouldn't be afraid to like love horror and talk about it. Uh, you, you know, everybody's talking about pop music and they're talking about the Grammys and blah, 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 blah. No, talk about like, hey, I just saw this movie, man. Oh, my God. You ever see Hatchet? You ever see this? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man, yeah, good stuff. I, 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 I can't disagree with you. Like, I feel like this, this is a perfect movie. Like, I, I, I might be inclined to move it up to five, uh, just because of how it makes my heart feel. Uh, yeah, Monster Squad is great. Uh, yeah. Zach, this has just been, it's been so great. Like, getting to chat with you. Like, you were just, you're just the coolest. Um. Can, I'm I'm going to give you some some space to plug your stuff. Where can people find you online? Where can people uh, uh, find Mister Eyeliner online? Where can we Where can we connect and support you? Well, I thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate it. Uh, you could. Do you hear me? Yep, I sure can. All right, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram on the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop. And that's my main chop shop. Like, man, it keeps growing with the limbs and the whatnots in there. And I love it. I do a podcast uh, once a week with my great fucking uh, great partner, L Sparkly Sparks, where you can find her on there. I also am an anti-bullying activist who can go anywhere in any city, even where you live, my friend. Talk to students. Talk to uh, schools. Talk to anyone about anti-bullying. I'm educated in it. I'm trained in it. And cinema therapy as well, which I'd like to bring more to, like, say, somewhere like North Dakota or somewhere like in other states that there's only like you're like the rock star there and everybody else is like eh, sleeping on it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I just saw a horror supernatural chop shop is also on Facebook. Like, honestly, uh, please listen to us in the horror supernatural chop shop. We'll be shouting you out this week, my friend. Oh. And it's available on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere you can get your podcast from. We're on three different platforms. We are trying our best to bring up our status to get to Patreon and offer you more. We have great sponsors. We have great people we support. And you're going to be one of our new people that we talk about always. And I will always support you. And I thank you for this. And I thank you for the opportunity to talk to another like-minded individual that has the interest and love 
and the passion that I do. It's very hard to find people like you. And I'd like to invite you in the future to be on our podcast and you can talk about your show and pick a movie we can do. Ooh, I, the, 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 the opportunity is just vast here, but yeah, you, you've got it. I want to be on, I would love to get to chat with both of you. That would be a blast. Uh, and now I'll just have to get the wheel spinning for what, what movie, what horror <laughs> movie do I make you guys sit through and talk about? Oh, this is going to oh, be fun. Sit through. We I'll put myself on a nice slab and I'll watch it. Like, ah, all right, it's bad, but this hurts more. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Zach, again, this has been just so cool. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you. And um, I can't look, I can't wait to the next time. Anytime you want me on here, I'm good. This is a great time reviewing oh. one of my favorite movies, one of your favorite movies. Once again, a huge, huge thank you to Zach, Mr. Eyeliner. Uh, awesome chat. Uh, very like open, candid guy. That was a really, really fun episode. Uh, so definitely check out his social medias. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, please follow all things Fat Dude Digs Flicks on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, even the TikTok. Just do a search for Fat Dude Digs Flicks and you will find me there. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Like this podcast. Rate and review this podcast. Share this podcast with your friends. As I always say, I'm going to keep doing this podcast no matter how many listeners I have. But man... Listeners would sure help. So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please share it with people that you think would also enjoy it. Uh, leave a rating and a review, especially on iTunes or Spotify, where you can do that. Uh, and just let people know that this is uh, a podcast worth listening to. Um, if you do subscribe to this podcast, uh, you not only get Let's Talk About, but you also get the Criterion Break. Uh, it is a podcast where I am joined by two of my good friends, Blake Ginnethan and Derek Fearing, and we dive into the Criterion Collection proper and the Criterion Channel. We will have a bonus episode uh, coming up at the end of next week uh, as far as the Criterion Break is concerned, so get ready for that. It's Criterion-related, maybe? I don't know. We just love movies and we're going to be talking about a big, big topic uh, with best of week, which is what I'm about to talk about. So next week is best of week. So you will get the annual best of 2022 episode next week here on the channel uh, from Let's Talk About where I will be joined by Jameson Fifely and we will talk about our favorite movies of the past year. And then at the end of the week, the Criterion Break crew will discuss the 2022 Oscars, uh, or 2023 Oscars, whatever, the Oscars. We're going to talk about our picks, our favorites, things like that. Um, just another another chance to chat about the Oscars before we get to watch them. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, would like to be a guest on the show, or would like to recommend a movie, please send an email to fatdudedigsflicks at gmail.com. I would love to talk to more people. I would love to watch more movies. So please just send an email there and I will get it. 
Um, if you're in the South Dakota area and would like to talk to cool people about movies on Facebook, please join the South Dakota Film Community Group. Uh, we are always looking for more people to chat about movies. If that's all it is. It's just a chat. So join in. Join in the conversation. That's it. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I already plugged what's coming up next week, so I won't do that here. But be back here next week. Same fat time. Same fat channel. And let's talk about movies. Be safe out there. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fat Dude Digs Flicks. 